0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a bi-weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Humanity is a Lonely Species We crave interaction with others outside of ourselves. Interaction with something like us, but not us. It's why every culture around the world has at least one humanoid monster. Why we have fae and yokai and sasquatch. Why we look at animals and wonder, are they secretly like us? Do they understand us? Do they lead secret lives when we aren't watching? Throughout history, humanity has wanted that answer to be yes, so badly. It's why we have werewolves and mermaids, why we talk to our pets, why one time someone looked at a seal and thought, maybe, just maybe that's a beautiful woman in disguise. This week, we'll take a look at animal wives, including a tale rarely told, the Selkie, the Swan Maiden, and why you shouldn't base your relationship on tricking the other person into staying with you. So, to start, how do we define an animal wife? Stories of both men and women who accidentally or purposefully marry animals can be found throughout world mythology. And animal marriage could arguably be one of the oldest fairy tale motifs. For example, many First Nations tribes have stories of people marrying animals, such as the Passamaquoddy legend about Great Horned Owl from our episode on owls. But should we call every story about a human marrying an animal an animal life story? I would argue we can probably get more specific. For the purpose of this podcast, An Animal Wife Story is a story in which an ordinary human marries a humanoid who, as a result of the circumstances of the union, at least temporarily loses the ability to go between animal and human form. In a true Animal Wife Story, the story is only resolved when the shapeshifting party is able to return to their preferred state, or they have the power to transform stripped from them entirely. Animal wife stories are primarily concerned with a human man who discovers a female shapeshifter. But male animal husband stories can be found, though often male animal husbands are not stripped of their power against their will. There is a lot that could be said about that, but I think you are a very well-educated person, and so I probably don't have to delve too deeply into why this is, and why a story about a woman being stripped of her animal nature would appeal to patriarchal societies. Animal wives are generally one of two types of shapeshifter. Either a humanoid who can take on an animal form, or an animal who can take on a humanoid form. This may seem like a subtle enough difference, but generally speaking, animal wives that have a default human form and take an animal's form via magic, or putting on a magical item, are more closely associated with local concepts of the fae and are thus more willing to stay in their human form. A good example of this is the German and Russian Swan Maiden. A well-known legend about Swan Maidens revolves around Swanhild and her sisters, who are the daughters of a mortal and a fairy king, and subsequently not only have magical rings of power, but the ability to fly as swans using magical swan wings they got from their fairy king father. In a rare twist, Swanhild actually puts aside her swan wings by choice after being nursed back to health by the hero of the story. She later has them stolen not by her husband, but by an enemy of her husband. But again, this is an exception rather than the rule. Other notable humanoids who can be swan maidens are Valkyries, who take the more traditional approach of using entire magical swan skins rather than just wings when they transform. Animal wives, who spend most of their time in animal form, conversely, are often more closely associated with their animal side, and generally transformed by the removal of a pelt or a skin. They are almost always more reluctant to stay in human form, and are often only kept in humanoid form by the destruction or hiding of their skin by their partner. A classic example of this is the silky. The selkie is a creature that can be found in Irish, Scottish, and Icelandic folklore. Simply put, a selkie is a seal that can take on the form of a human. Selkies spend most of their lives living as seals in the ocean. But, should the mood strike them, a selkie needs only to take off their seal skin on land to become human. Selkies in human form are supernaturally good-looking. And so, unfortunately, stories of fishermen stealing the skins of female selkies and forcing them into marriage are pretty common. Male selkies, on the other hand, not only regularly seek out partners, but often seek out partners who are dissatisfied with their lives, such as from being in unhappy marriages, and can be reliably called upon. It's true. Apparently, to get in touch with a male selkie... All one needs to do is to shed seven tears into the sea, which kind of tracks with seals as a whole, as most pinniped species are polygonous, with males seeking out as many partners as possible. This is not to say, though, that all female Selkies are helpless and all of their stories are tragic. In the Shetland Isles, there are stories of Selkies purposefully luring sailors to drowning deaths at midsummer. Now... Whether they are being lured out or swimming out willingly and drowning is up for debate. But what's not up for debate is that one of the Faroe Islands may still be actively under a Selkie curse. The legend goes that a man from the town of Mikla de stumbled upon a beach where Selkies danced on two legs in secret. Being a horrible person, the man steals the skin of a Selkie and hides it, forcing her to marry him. She does and he puts the skin in a locked chest and keeps the key on him always so she can't return to the sea. One day, though, he forgets his key to the chest at the house, and when he returns, the selkie has escaped back into the ocean. Furious, he goes out to the sea and happens to see a big male seal and two pups. He somehow recognizes this to be the seal family of the selkie he trapped. And he murders the family in cold blood. When the Selkie learns of this, rather than cower or hide from this man who has taken so much from her, she promises this. The men of Mikla Duller, from this day on, will be lost. Some will drown, some will fall off cliffs until so many men lose their lives that they could link arms and wrap around the Isle of Kalsoi. Some deaths in this area are still attributed to the curse to present day. Of course, like in everything, not all animal wife stories play by the rules, such as in the Japanese folktale motif of the kitsune wife. Unlike most animal-turned-human shapeshifters, there are several Japanese animal wife legends in which a kitsune willingly becomes a woman and is content to stay as such, only turning back into a fox and leaving when their partner discovers their true identity. But I think it's fair to treat kitsune legends as an exception, rather than the rule. Finally, while most animal wives are primarily prey species, such as the Native American deer and buffalo brides and the swan maiden and the selkie, this does not always have to be the case. The following is a fairy tale from Croatia about an animal wife that was a little bit riskier to steal from than most. There once was an enchanted mill haunted by a she-wolf. A soldier, tired and desperate, went once into the mill to sleep. He made a fire in the parlor, But rather than sleeping in the parlor, he went up into the garret above, and, curious to see if this famous she-wolf would show herself, he bored a hole in the floor with an auger, and peeped down into the parlor, and waited. Before too long, a she-wolf came in and looked about the mill to see whether she could find anything to eat. Finding no delicious soldiers, she then went to the fire, and said, Skin down, skin down, skin down. She raised herself upon her hind legs, and her skin fell down, and out of the wolf came a damsel. She took the skin and hung it on a peg. The damsel went to the fire and curled up and fell asleep. Once he saw that she was asleep, the soldier crept down from the garret and took the skin, nailing it fast to the mill wheel. Then, confident that the skin was going nowhere, came into the mill, shouting over to her, "'Good morning, damsel! How do you do?' The she wolf woke with a start, and, as any woman encountering a man that she did not expect to find upon waking does, began to scream, Skin on me, skin on me, skin on me. But the wolf skin could not come back to her because it was nailed. The pair married and had two children. When the eldest son was old enough, his father pulled him aside and had that talk that every father has with his son about how his mother is secretly a wolf. As soon as the elder son found out that his mother was a wolf, he ran to her and said, Mama, Mama, I have heard that you are a wolf. His mother replied, What nonsense are you talking? How can you say that I am a wolf? And, with no evidence, the eldest son let the matter drop. The next day, the ex-soldier went into the fields to plow, and his eldest son said, Papa, let me too go with you. And his father said, Come. When they had come to the field, the son asked his father, Papa, is it true our mother is a wolf? And the father said, It is. The clever son inquired, And where is her skin? And his father, apparently confident that the she-wolf would never look at the mill wheel again, said, There it is, on the mill wheel. You know, where it's been hanging for, at the very least, four years. No sooner had the son got home than he said at once to his mother, Mama, Mama, you are a wolf. I know where your skin is. His mother asked him, And where is my skin? And he said, There, on the mill wheel. His mother leaned down and touched his cheek gently. Thank you, son, for rescuing me. And then she went away, and the she-wolf was never heard of more. The end. Until, I assume, the she-wolf returns and eats the man who held her captive, and raises her children into the beautiful werewolves they were always meant to be. That's it this week for Animal Wives. I hope you enjoyed exploring a common motif in mythology. And as always, if you would like to learn more, please feel free to slip into the show notes. Musical score, as well as intro and outro, were done by shapeshifter and potential animal husband, Scott Ethington. Give Change a try and listen to his music at Bazooka Raccoon on SoundCloud.com. Finally, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening, and remember, anyone can be a monster.